Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Digital Nomad World Weekly Series. I'm Becky, and I'll be your host. And today, we're talking about selling your business and starting your next phase as a digital nomad with my guest, Kia Orion. Kia, welcome to the show. Becky, awesome to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on the show, Kia, because you have this interesting and unique story to tell, but I want to get right into it. Can you tell us how you started your digital nomad journey? Absolutely. So we might have even talked about this last time, so I'll keep it brief, but I, it may have been how other folks started too, it seems like, but I was just ready for a big change in my life. I kind of hit an all-time low. I was working in West Philadelphia as a substitute teacher, trying to make ends meet, trying to be a rapper. And I had like very little money left. And I was like, I just need to like completely blow my, can I swear on here? Yes. Oh, sure. Okay. 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 I'll try to keep it. I'll try to keep it a little PC for just in case we got kids listening, but (laughs) I'll just blow it to smithereens. We'll put it like that and just start over. So I bought a one-way ticket to Chiang Mai. I'd heard that people were out there running online businesses and said, this isn't working. So maybe something else will. And so that's kind of how I started. I had a, I tried to start a dropshipping business. I tried to start a lot of businesses. They all failed, but I got a job online teaching English, which was how I kind of had some runway. And so that's how I talk a lot of people, talk to a lot of people when they ask about Nomad. I said, what can you just, it doesn't have to be the best thing right off the bat, but how can you just get some income from the beginning? So Chiang Mai, one thing led to another. And um, five years later, here we are. Awesome. Well, I definitely feel you with the online English teaching. I didn't start online, but that's exactly the same for me. I left the U.S. and my first job was teaching English in Japan face to face, but I never would have been able to support myself if I hadn't found something like that. And was it my dream job at the beginning? Of course, it wasn't. But I thought, let's just get into this country and see what can happen and where things can go, who you can meet. So a thousand percent, Becky. I think you know what I think that's huge too. I'll tell you, there are. It's not until you leave the states you realize how many people want to learn English. That just showing up, people will throw jobs at you. It doesn't have to be online. Is always the kind of nomad dream. But like you said, you can touch down. There are good international schools. They say, hey, can you please come teach these people? Like there, you can find work if you speak English and you're fluent. And um, I think that's a great kind of foot in the doorway. So it's interesting. We kind of had similar entries into the nomad journey. Um, how we got started. Yeah. So you started teaching English online and then what came next? So it was actually through a, I think it's, I love this phrase. It's that you don't know what you don't know. And so just being out here in Chiang Mai, I started meeting all these people that were headline online businesses. And it, it just never occurred to me that you could have a business like that online or make that good money online. I was like, wait, what do you do? And it was like online courses and these different things. And so I went to this, it was a convention. I think it was the Digital Nomad Summit or something like that. And there was a guy that presented on digital courses and he's a photographer and he's doing really well. And I'd always loved making music. And I was like, man, I know how to make beats. I don't know, you know, I tried to be a rapper, all these things, but I was like, maybe I could... I tried to sell beats online. I tried to hustle and sell, but it was a whole other thing. But I was like, maybe I could teach people how to sell beats because everybody I was trying to sell beats to was like 17 and worked at McDonald's and wanted to be Drake. And it was just like, they were very difficult clients, but teaching people how to make beats, I was like, this could be really cool. And so that was kind of the foray into what ended up being my my online business journey for the last four or five years was that I tried dropshipping all these other things. That was the one that clicked was online courses, teaching people how to make beats um, through 
through all different i had like templates and drum kit anything that's to do with making beats i had it so that was kind of the, the long story short if there was something you could pinpoint that was the difference like why do you think that business succeeded when the other ones had failed that's a great point i think i think a huge piece of this is i really love doing it and there are some folks i've been i've been having some some deep talks with myself lately i'm because i'm trying i'm in this kind of in between stage uh, there are some guys that just love the game. They just love the game of business. And that kind of is their art. I'm not, I, I'm, I don't work that way. I, I, I'm almost more artist than I am businessman. And so I need to be able to like, I like to do the thing. Even as I started to kind of scale that business out a little bit and I had more contractors and stuff, I, I was like, I don't really love managing people. I was like, how can I kind of how can I break this back down and get just back to doing the thing that I really love to do? And so I think so there's some amazing quote out there, but it's pretty much like if you have fun while you're doing it, if you enjoy doing it, you're kind of unstoppable because you have an edge, you know, you just, you won't stop. And so that, I mean, I wasn't really into trying to sell fly fishing rods. That business failed, like women's high-end triathlete sunglasses. Like I was like, I don't really give a crap about those, but then it came to beats. One, I was really confident because I knew it in and out Two, I loved it. It was almost everything clicked as soon as I thought about that. And so even now I help people building out their online courses. And so many of us, because it feels second nature, we know so much more than we think we do. But I'm like, what really makes your heart sing? What do you just automatically love? You probably could teach a beginner like a lot and not even realize it. So I think it's honestly just the love of the, the love of the art that did it was um, I just I enjoyed it. And um, there, it didn't feel like work, I guess, as much. And it's, it's nice because you were already a teacher, even if that wasn't your dream job, but you could, I'm sure, use some of that teaching and lesson planning and put it into the course. How did you learn how to make the course or what was what were the steps to finally get that course launched? Is there a tutorials that you used? Absolutely. Again, I think this is a real beautiful kind of perfect place in time thing. And because it was the it was right when online course was starting to take off, there was one couple in particular called Ronnie and Diana, and they actually run, shout out to Ronnie and Diana, they run the the I think it's the biggest YouTube channel for Canva. I think it's called like Rondi Creative. They ended up getting hired by Canva years later. Um, and they were the ones who kicked my butt because they were just getting into these Canva courses and they built a studio like out here in Chiang Mai. And they're like, here, come over, use the studio. You can shoot some courses. My mistake was I tried to go high ticket off the jump. And so I created this course that was like a thousand dollars. It was like the ultimate, oh, was the blueprint to beat making. I was like, I edited the whole thing. I put all this time into it and nobody bought it. And I was like, but this is the best course ever. Why is nobody buying it? They're like, Kia, you don't have any audience yet. Put your stuff on Skillshare, get some buzz. Like it, you don't have, it doesn't have to be the biggest thing under the sun. And it was really through their guidance. And also I think just having somebody that believed in me more than myself, because I suffer from that same imposter syndrome as everybody else that just that, that kick in the booty, I think was what, what helped. And as soon as I put, I took that thousand dollar course that I was selling high ticket just for on Skillshare. And as soon as I did it, cause it was such high level production and put everything into it. They honestly just took off. Um, they featured it on the homepage. Like they reached out to me about it. It was, yeah, it, I think that was kind of the turning point for me, but it, I, I can't lie. Like it, I probably wouldn't have been able to do it if I hadn't had their help. And then um, there, were, uh, there were just a lot of other great course creators around Chiang Mai at the time that I took the, said, Hey, can I take you for coffee and pick your brain? And one thing led to another. 
I think that's great too. Surrounding yourself with people in, in the same boat or people with skills just a level or two above you that can really help you. Chiang Mai yes. is so great for that. Yes. So when I got in contact with you for this interview, because as you mentioned, we have talked before. If people want to check that out, you can go to the School of Travels, which was my original podcast. Um, but you, when I interviewed you there, you were still in this business. But now you said you've recently sold your business. So can you tell us more about the sales process or how what what happened with this business? Absolutely. And so also to get this straight, I, I want to make it clear. I didn't have like a zillion dollar exit or something like that. I'm not like, I'm like, I'm not Alex Hormozzi. What happened though, in a strange turn of events was because I'd had so much luck on Skillshare, I got a lot of exposure through it. And so I ended up using that almost like you would any other type of social media platform, like you would YouTube or something. It was almost kind of my top of the funnel discovery. And then I, there's, it's a whole nother thing, but I used that to then kind of funnel people into my, I then after time developed the thousand dollar beat bootcamp high ticket thing that I'd wanted from the beginning. And that ended up actually being successful years later after I had an audience, go figure. But from Skillshare, because I had I was really dominating on there for a long time. I got a random email. When you get a lot of emails when you're in those platforms that are just kind of junk of people starting other course things. You get a lot of kind of spam stuff. And so I got another one. I just thought it was spam. And they're like, hey Kia, we really liked what you're doing. We have somebody that would be potentially interested in like building something like this. Like gets help on the phone. And I was like, I don't take phone calls. Tell me about it. I just kind of like I wasn't probably my best self responding to the email because so many of them are just kind of spammy. And they're like, if you like hop on, if you talk about it, you're going to need to sign an NDA because it's like this person's kind of a big deal. I was like, ooh, I was like, we could talk like <laughs> whoever this is. I'm like, if they're important, let's see what's up. So what ended up happening was they liked my beat boot camp, the actual the actual high ticket program I had. And so they wanted me to build it out for them. And so I guess the, a different way to think about it is less of like selling a business and more of like franchising it in a way. They were a company. It was almost like a, like a splinter cell of like another company. And they worked with big creators to build out courses for them. So they had a couple big musicians, big producers. I signed a couple NDAs, so I can't drop the names, but they're people you'd recognize. Well, I'm not sure how into hip hop. If you're into hip hop, you'd recognize them. If you aren't, maybe not. But they're big for hip hop, and so they were like, "Kia, we want you to like build out your beat boot camp for these other people." So I was pretty much, I had this sort of this this structure to my program, but building it for them, it was it was a competing product to mine because it was very similar, but they have much bigger audiences. So I realized if I build these things out, I'm also kind of killing my own product, and. So, at the time, I'd been doing it for a while, and I realized I'd be down to kind of walk away from this. I was kind of ready to be done with the music production, and I was like, if the price is right, I could make this happen and just kind of work for them, build out these programs, and kind of be, say, like, you know what? This is a great run, but now they'll do it. I'll help them run it, and then you know, sayonara, and I'll go off on my own, and the price was right. And so that was kind of how it transpired was they had me build out my – pretty much my boot, beat boot camp for a couple other um, big producers. And then I, I'd fly down to Atlanta and we shot it with like, it was a whole production thing. It was cool, but it was, it was more, I guess, franchising than actually like having a huge exit or something. So I realized I took that little chunk of change and that's what I've been kind of rocking and rolling with for the last year and um, year and a half trying to figure out kind of next steps and experimenting. And here we are. Well, congratulations. That's really interesting how it all transpired. Um, should we tell people, check the spam, make sure 
you never know if there could be something real in there. Huge. Don't click on suspicious <laughs> links. Don't click on suspicious if, if there, links. If there's a prince who's telling you that they need your credit card number. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those, I think, reminders to myself to be like, Kia, you're not you're not special like just this idea of like treat everyone respectfully even if it seems like a spam link because you never know when it could be an opportunity or come back to bite you later so it was kind of it was a nice reminder to myself to say like um you know bring me down bring me down a couple notches (laughs) well i i do want to confirm so you no longer have your your boot camp you no longer have your product or your class on skillshare everything has kind of been handed over to them so I do. So I still have the Skillshare classes, and okay. I have my B Bootcamp thing, but it's, I it's just like kind of, I don't know what to do with it because I I haven't done anything. So it's like just kind of it's not even really public anymore because I've just completely kind of think about like getting away from the music production stuff. So I I'm, all the stuff's still on Skillshare, but it's not like I really make much money from it anymore. I don't really go after it or anything. It's just kind of just chilling for now. So I mean, hey, if you want to learn production. I still have a bunch of courses on Skillshare, but I don't really do the. I don't really do the. <laughs> we can put a or... link. Yeah, hey, I just wondering listen, what that yeah, agreement was. <laughs> no, you, actually, yeah, so the, when you got the, the, we're working uh, all the Skillshare, all that stuff, totally fine. They just, um, I, I just couldn't. They didn't want me to talk about who it actually was, or so because it it, it would make them feel some type of way. So, and it's been oh, totally if you want production, Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Well, as I said, congratulations. And and you've mentioned you're now in, at this point where you're thinking about what to do next. So I, I would I would be curious, what are your next plans or what are some ideas you've been thinking about in your next phase as a digital nomad? Yeah, well, first of all, I know this is an interview, Becky. I just appreciate you just being curious and just talking about this in general. You're just the bomb. Um, the next phase, I after that, I was like, I... I've been wanting to start this YouTube channel for ages. I had one for the beat school, but I was like, I want to do one for Kia. And so I started a YouTube channel. I was getting after it. Speaking of actually Chiang Mai and connections, another shout out out here when I still in Philly, I watched this channel, this guy named Nick Nimmin, and he helps people build YouTube channels. And the first time I was out here in 2018, I saw him in Starbucks and I was like, I was like, you're the YouTube. Oh, I was like, what are you doing in Starbucks in Chiang Mai? He's like, I live out here. And I was like, can I buy you coffee? He's like, yeah. And so we sat down and just like, he's the man. And so since honestly, if you want to learn about the YouTube channel, check out Nick, but he lives in Chiang Again, the whole digital nomad thing, like just sometimes being in the places where people are doing things can level your game up more than you think. And so he's still out here. And so we've kept in touch. He's been kicking my butt as well to YouTube for a long time. And so about a year and a half ago, I really doubled down on it. And through the process, I found I really loved writing. I was like, oh, I really am enjoying writing these scripts. And because, Becky, like we were talking about before this, kind of with those voiceover pieces, it was, I'd never done these almost kind of like narrative pieces. I had all these skills from the music of like audio engineering, nice equipment, knowing how to use my voice and all the how to make beats, all these pieces that like I didn't think about that I could leverage into some sort of other career. But I'd really loved the writing. And so I was like, well, this is kind of cool. So for a time, I was thinking of going back to getting an MFA, which is like a, it's a highly funded master's program in the States. But so I wrote like this collection of short stories and I got a writing coach and I was like, I just don't think I want to live in the States for three years. I like the program seems cool, but I'm just kind of addicted to the nomad thing. And I like, I don't know, Europe, like we've been talking about maybe a little Portugal, I feel like it's been calling to me. So I kind of scrapped it, but from the writing, what I've been 
trying to build out now is more of a a business around like personal brand. So around things like Ali Abdal, if you know, if you, if that rings any bells, people out there, if you're into like personal productive sort of stuff, he's a YouTuber, but he also, he writes and has a podcast, just sort of life to me ended up becoming bigger than just beats, I guess is the, the long answer. Um, and one sentence is I wanted, I wanted more space to create around personal development and travel and creativity and all these other things. I'm a podcast junkie. I love reading books. I love stories. And so that's kind of what I've been trying to build out is like a business around storytelling frameworks and um, just stuff that I'm into outside of just music. That's incredible. And there are so many different places to showcase the stories nowadays. I've always found, for example, TikTok interesting because of how short the TikToks are. What do you think about TikTok as a place for storytelling. Are you using I, that platform? I think you're a thousand percent right, Becky. I haven't taken advantage of it as much as I should. I just recently hired an editor to help me with shorts because my YouTube videos, I've now got, I've got these long form YouTube videos. I was like, dude, we could totally chop these up and make really cool little shorts. And I know TikTok is an amazing place. Before when I was really into music for the last few years, everybody would rave about it because they like so many people's careers have been made off of TikTok because they're short, they're punchy. They, they're, you can do really fun things with them, but I'm just such a long form content kind of guy. I've been a little bit biased towards podcasts and longer YouTube videos, but honestly, just before hopping on this, I was going through the shorts that the the editor guy sent me and um, yeah, I'm about to double down on it. So I'm coming for it. Tell TikTok, I'm coming for it. Uh, you're even, maybe even beats. I know it's, it's all yeah. so many trending TikTok sounds. It's an interesting yes. platform for sure. Well, I have a, a question now about the music business. So if mm. you, if there was a digital nomad that you met who is like thinking about getting into the music business as a nomad, what advice do you have for them in 2023? Becky, just to run off the, the last answer, I think TikTok is a huge one. I think social media is a huge one. The game, the game's changed. Like they, the, I, I started at Island Def Jam in New York right after, right out of college. And even then, my job as like an intern, like an intern's intern was to just track data to see how people were kind of trending upwards growth wise on their platforms. And so even now, like if you just think about them, almost think music, it's almost like um, like an investment cap, like investment capital form, like they want a sure thing. It's sort of like if you're popping on those platforms, then they'll absolutely, it's a sure, they, they're in it to make money. Like if you already have attention, then they're like, oh, of course, yeah. Or the things you don't even have to go major label anymore. You get enough of a, you know, your Kevin Kelly thousand true fans, you can get rock and rolling on your own. So you really, I, I think my two piece of advice would be you need less fans than you think you do. And I think it's absolutely that social media game is kind of the game, I think, for music, whether it's traditional, non-traditional. Um, like you said, TikTok, I think those short form videos really crush it. So if you find that angle and you like to do it, I'd say go for it. And you can do it from anywhere. So shout out nomads. Interesting. Well, I'm while we're thinking about this, what are what are your thoughts about AI being used in music? So this is, I think is really fascinating. Actually, before we even start on this, I think AI can do some really fascinating things that I've been looking into around audio, making audio sound better. Like not necessarily mixing and mastering the whole thing with AI, because I think those are two really important skills to have. But it can really help. And so 
I, I'm not as much like into like a like listening to music made by AI. I still think I'm just got like I like the 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 human connection of somebody like singing an authentic song. But I think in terms of the actual all the technical skills that go into making music, whether it's making beats or drums or audio engine, all these different pieces of the art that go into making music. I'm really curious to see how it goes. I haven't dabbled probably in it as much as I I probably should to know that world, but I think I think it's gonna have a huge effect. I'm just not sure if maybe we'll get there, but I'm just not sure if we'll ever get to the point where I'm like, I really like listening to this robot music. Maybe we do. <laughs> I'm really fascinated by the future, but yes, as a creator, as a beat producer, as a, you know, being in the industry for so long. I, I don't know if you're scared or you're more fast on the fascinated side, but uh, things, big changes are afoot. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Now on the digital nomad side, I know you said you you still want to keep in this digital nomad world. You didn't want to go to the U.S. for three years. What advice would you have for someone thinking about becoming a digital nomad in 2023 as somebody who was a nomad before the pandemic? I think it's the easiest. This is the easiest time to do it. And depending on where you are, I always recommend people just dip your big toe in, just see what us go for a month. Like it's not that hard if you have, if you're a lot of work is now remote a lot. And it depends on where you are, of course, but if you're in the U S if you're on like the East coast, like go to Mexico city for a month. Like it's like New York, except the weather's better. The people are sweeter and the food's better. So it's like, what's, what's not to love. <laughs> Mexico city is one of my favorite spots. Like just such cool people. Mexicans are the best and tacos. Like, Let's be real. So who doesn't love like tacos? Who doesn't love tacos? And we actually, didn't we meet in Mexico? Yes. Yeah. Yes. We met in Querétaro. Okay. So there you go. So we met that I remember. So we met in Mexico. So <laughs> that's my whole thing. If you want to be a nomad, a lot of people feel like it's like, oh, I got to make this huge thing. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be that serious. Like I was just listening to a podcast yesterday. I thought it was really powerful and made me think about things differently of like, how can you make reversible decisions quicker? even though they feel dangerous, but try it out is always my recommendation. If you're on, you know, if you're, in, if you're an Aussie or New Zealand or, you know, then check out Asia. Asia has so many amazing places too. Or if you're from the States, you can do that too. It's just, it's ways away. So, I mean, Latin America, there's so many amazing spots and Europe obviously can mess around. So that's my whole, that's my spiel for no matter. It's like, it's easier than ever. You can, there's so many remote jobs. If you want to do it, it's absolutely possible. If you have skills, at least in some regard, you can normally par parlay that into some sort of at least part-time gig. And a lot of times, if you're making US dollars or euros, part-time gigs can get you really far in a lot of places. So it's not like it has to be a, a huge deal. So that's my, that's why it's my thing is try it. Just go for it. Mexico City is amazing. Medellin is amazing. If you're in Asia, obviously I love Chiang Mai, Bangkok, Da Nang is rad. I haven't been there for a couple of years, but I loved it over there. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of rad spots. On that topic, if people are nervous about like, oh, inflation, it's gotten so expensive to travel. Uh, I don't know if I can do it. Do you have any recommendations for really cheap places? I love, <laughs> cheap. I love, I love your impression. Oh, I don't know if I can do it. Um, yes, I do. Affordable that's, spots. That's Bangkok game. and Mexico City have gotten quite pricey, I think, they for have, some although, of these higher end accommodations. True. Here's the thing. A lot of these spots, it depends on where you go. If so, same like Medellin, Mexico City. If you go into like Candesa, 
in Mexico City, it's going to cost you a little bit. But if you go to like Roma Sur or like a little bit north, my whole thing is like go. You can still go to the spots, but like just don't live in like the super fancy high rises. All these places I still go and I'm I don't I like I work really well in just like a box, like four walls. I just happen to create well in that. So I never say anything super fancy. I still think a lot of them are very doable, even though the the, the like cool hipster spots, it's like Brooklyn. Right. When Brooklyn back when I was living there, it's like same thing happens in the States. Like it it just it depends on like, okay, well then I don't know, you live in a little ways outside of Williamsburg, you know? And so that would be my recommendation. But if you are looking for still rad spots, some that I've hit recently that I really loved, I almost don't want to give away my secrets, but I will, Becky, because I love you and I love Digital Mad World. Is thank you. In Colombia. Everybody thinks Medellin, and it is amazing for the community, but there are still some really rad spots outside of Medellin. One is called Bucaramanga, rad and a lot cheaper. Another one is called, I can't remember off the top of my head, but that's fine. Medellin, if you're good, I still recommend Medellin because I love it, but don't live in Poblado. Like live up a little north of Loreles in this place called Estadio, and it's like super local. It's just like old folks and like families and it's amazing and it's like a quarter of what you pay blah if we're thinking uh mexico i obviously i love mexico city you can say a little ways outside of um like i said condesa and romasur even some places a little bit more south awesome spots there's a place called coyoacan that's amazing also cheaper it's like a college town um if you want uh like brazil i love brazil brazil could be a little pricey again depending on where you are like if you're Rio is one of my favorite cities. If you're going to live on the beach, it's a little pricey. So stay a little outside the beach. If you want Asia, I just came from Georgetown. And Georgetown, I love. Kuala Lumpur can be a little pricey depending where you live, but not bad. Um, Kuching in Borneo isn't bad. Um, super affordable, cool little city. I'm in Chiang Mai right now. I, like I pay again. I'm in the same place I've always been. I think it's like $250 a month. It's like for you get a little balcony. It's just hard to beat. So those are some of kind of my top spots. I'm thinking any other um, Asia. Vietnam was rad. I'm not sure if Da Nang is still kind of the move. When I was there, it was dirt cheap. Um, it might be a little more popping now, but still pretty pretty affordable. Same with Hanoi. Isn't bad depending on where you are. I think it's, again, I'd almost argue this might be an unpopular opinion. I don't know about Portugal, but it's almost neighborhood is like almost more of a defining factor than the city. Key is mm. hot take. Yeah. Interesting way to look at it. And, yeah. you know, just like, just as you would expect, if you get a little bit more on the edges of where a lot of the expats or the nomads are going, you're going to have a more authentic local experience. So prepare for that, prepare for it yes. linguistically, prepare for yes. it, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> with food as well. So you're going to go more local usually with the food, but it's going to be much more affordable. Yeah. I, that's a great point. You're right. It depends on what type of a challenge you want to have. You know, and if, you know, you choose your adventure, but if you are down for that, I've found oftentimes those can be super rewarding because they aren't places where gringos, you know, tend to live. And so people tend to be like, just like you end up just everybody likes kind of super stoked that you're there. So it can be kind of a cool little, um, uh, you know, off the beaten path experience, but you're absolutely right. It'll, it will be, it might not have all the accommodations that you're normally used to. So that's a good, a good way to hedge it.
Well, thank you for these hot takes. I'm glad that you're still so excited about digital nomad life in 2023. As you said, it's probably the easiest time. There are still so many companies offering remote jobs. They never went back to the office, all of these things. So there are some gifts that came out of the pandemic, as, yes. as strange as that may sound. But I do think that for at least for nomadic life and for working online. Absolutely. It, it's not, it doesn't, it, I think it sped up the nomad life. Like by like people aren't like, what's remote work? You know, like, Oh, like it's, it's like in the zeitgeist now. It's almost like it, people just understand it better. I think compared to before the pandemic, it still seemed a little weird sometimes where like now I think just people understand, even if they don't think about it in another country, the idea of working from home is obviously a huge, you know, concept. So I think that was actually, you're right. You know, one of the, the, the small benefits of the whole thing. I definitely don't have to explain myself anymore when I say I work online <laughs> yes, or I'm a, I'm a exactly. nomad. People know exactly. and they aspire to it instead of thinking, oh, you, you know, you're, you're just not in the real life. <laughs> yes, Becky, that's a great point. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Well, is there anything else you would like to share with us today, Kia? You know, I Any would. Any final small, hot takes? <laughs> yes, I've got a couple a couple last thoughts, things I've been thinking about. Um, and I know I'm probably already going over our time because I like to talk, but this is what I've been thinking about in terms of nomad life is these ideas of novelty versus community. And now that I've been doing it for five years and it's been rad and I've loved the adventure, for me now what dictates my travel more than just like a pretty place are people I love, people I care about, places that I know I have community. And the few times in my nomad journey that I've been the most happy is when I've either had a, uh, like a partner, like an intimate relationship or community in those places. And so if you want to go see the world, go on the adventure, I think that's just something to keep in mind that I would, I'd give advice to my younger self is to yes, enjoy the experience and go see things, but also don't ignore the other kind of nomads that happen to be around in that area because it's sometimes weird. You've got to go out to the meetups and blah, blah, blah. But like meeting other folks, meeting nomads and, and having that sense of community has always been when I felt, I think the best, most connected, happiest times in, uh, in, you know, recent memory. So community is important. Get out there, meet some nomad folks. And I'm, 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 this is advice to myself even now too, trying to make a conscious effort, even with the whole Portugal thing, I'm trying to really, um, be conscious about going places where there are more nomads and make an effort to get more into the scene. So I'm looking forward to the next chapter. Absolutely. I think that's one of the founding pillars of digital nomad world. We're trying to make a platform where people can connect in different places and make events and, and meet each other in person as well. Yeah, it's huge. It honestly makes, it makes a, all the difference. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And if, if people want to follow you, Kia, where can they go? Yeah, I, I'm everywhere on every social at Kia Orion. It's a weird name. Shout out to my parents. Kia, K-I-A, Orion, O-R-I-O-N. You can check out my website, kiaorion.com. I got my different storytelling guides on there. I got, you know, my beat stuff. It's freelance work, all that sort of stuff. So check it out, my weird name online. Um, if this resonated with you, slide in the DM. I'm always on the chat. Um, and thanks for listening. Shout out Digital Metal World for having me on. Becky, shout out you for um for inviting me. This has been This has been really nice. Thank you, Kia. It was wonderful to talk to you and hope you have a great day. Thanks, you too.